All right, Bartender Journey, episode number nine. What's up, Venom? What's the word? Hey, so just back from Vegas, the nightclub and bar show. Cool. It was uh, unbelievable. It was great. Still recovering. I got back uh, night before last. Wow. It was uh, it was crazy, man. Like I said, there was stuff to try all day long, meeting so many interesting people, lots of products to try, that is to say, lots to drink. <laughs> and then, yeah, all day long, there's people handing you, you know, try try this, try this. This is our brand new uh, vodka. This is our brand new whiskey. And it comes in this cool package. And, it, you know, all day long, it's like that. So it was, it was really fun. But met so many interesting people. There was um, people talking about, for instance, fake IDs we, we talk about in the past. And uh, there were several, there, well, first of all, I went to a seminar seminar about both security and fake IDs. That was that was one seminar. There was all these really great seminars. Now, while I was out there, I tweeted, I learned the trick to spotting a fake ID, and I'll tell you about it in the next podcast. Now, there's so much more to this than I even realized. The fake IDs apparently are coming out of Hong Kong, and they're such high quality now that you you can't tell the difference. In fact, they have these scanners now that you can run the ID through and it reads the barcode on it. But from what I learned, the counterfeiters can actually defeat that. It, but fake IDs will go through the scanner now, a lot of them, and pass the scanner, but they're fake. Right. So the, the counterfeiters are buying the technology from the people that actually produce whatever this technology is the state uses to uh, put that barcode on there or whatever it is. Somebody said... I don't know how true this is. This is what somebody said, one of the experts said, you can buy the technology to produce that barcode, a counterfeiter could buy the technology to to produce that barcode for less than $200 on eBay. Wow. Can you believe that? So now the the fake IDs are coming out of Hong Kong um, mostly, and it costs maybe $40, a little less. Apparently kids get together like, eight of them and they get a package deal so it's even less if if you order eight at a time so one guy show was showing a product so i I started talking to this guy and he goes uh do you do you deal with fake ids much i said much all all day long all the time so he hands me three ids uh, three different state licenses and says uh so which you think you're pretty good at it huh here's three which ones do you think are real which ones do you think are fake so I was like, oh boy, here we go. So I'm looking at the hologram and I'm feeling it to make sure the picture isn't raised up and all this stuff. So I pick two. I say, I think these two are good and this one is fake. He says, you got it exactly wrong. So what? what's the takeaway? Like, what, how do you tell when it's fake? So, okay, so what these guys, there were, I think there were two exhibitors probably sh- uh, showing their scanners, you know? Mm-hmm. And I actually interviewed one of them and I and we, we'll put that in a future podcast. But like I said, it can be defeated. The scanner thing can be defeated. What he had was a, a magnifying glass looking thing that was maybe eight inches by four inches. It has just battery power. There's no software in it. All right. And um, but it has the it has a UV light. So there 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 is um, you even see it at the airport now. They have a UV light that they look at your your license with, and there's certain features that um, come out under a UV light that can be counterfeited too. But what they've not been able to figure out how to counterfeit yet is. Each state does what they call microprinting. So it's so tiny inside a line, like you can't see it with your naked eye. All right. But it says, it'll say, you know, Ohio, or it'll say something. So this is a security feature that the counterfeiters have not been able to replicate yet. So also the counterfeiters use, you know, dot matrix printing. So if you have a good enough microscope, or not a microscope, magnifying glass, you'll be able to see the fake ones have those dots, you know, like pixels, like, like a, you know what I mean? With dot so matrix it, printing. It, so if a guy's working a door, right? Yeah. 
he should he should have a magnifying glass yes. on him. Yeah. Hold the magnifying glass next to the state. Yeah. Or whatever, like for New York, whatever. And look at that. And if there's dots, then that's fake. Yeah. But the thing to really look for is each state has that mi- that micro printed. Like I said, it might say Ohio inside. It, it, when you look at it, it just looks like a, a line across the top of the license. But if you look at it with this microphone glass and you know where to look, you'll be able to see it says Ohio or it says whatever. So that that's the real way to do it. And it's, what happens if someone has this license, right? Uh, and it's fake, but it, it goes through the scanner. Yeah. Is that bar liable now? Because well, they, yeah, a lot of them talk about um, did you do your due diligence? So if you if you've done. And it varies state to state. What what is due diligence? So, how much you've scrutinized this license can get you off the hook, even if it's fake. Okay. But I mean, you really got to go through a lot to get to that point where you know you're off the hook. You know, I mean, they're they're not going to be too lenient on you. Uh, I'm just saying, if you look at it and it looks like this individual, and you scan it and it goes through, I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, that's up to the, the owners of the establishment to decide if they want to rely on the scanner to do that. And really, what, you, what the owner of the this, of this establishment should be doing is talking to a lawyer and saying, will yeah. this get us off the hook? Yeah. What do you think? You know, there's experts out there that, that deal with this. The guy that was presenting, he was from California, but he does a training course either online or um, he'll come to you for who knows how much money. But, uh, you know, I mean, if you if you go to that length of getting all your people trained to that level, I think that would get you off the hook. Like I said, every every state has its own thing. But th- this product was $99. and uh, I mean, that's worth it. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you have this thing and you – it came with a book. Like I was saying, every state is that security printed um, micro feature, micro printing yeah. rather, is in a different place. So there's a book, so you need to look at the book. If it's in, you know, if it's your home state, you'll know where it is. But if somebody comes with a license from another state, you might have to look through the book, see where is that where that microprinting is, and then identify it. But it's cool because it's it's kind of low tech in a way. It's a, you know this the scanner like can be defeated. The software probably needs to be updated quite often. But this thing is uh, it's kind of low tech, and it's I think it was the best one they had. Ah, oh, definitely. So it was really cool. Yeah, anyway, I met lots of cool people. This one young guy, his name's Jason Griffin. He was such a cool guy to hang out with, such an interesting dude. And uh, he invented this here. I'll show it to you. It's called the Quick Strain Tin. I did an interview with him, which I'll have for you in a future podcast, but he was such a fun guy to talk to. And he's a young guy, and, and he's a great bartender, Can apparently. I see that? Yeah, so uh, what you need, obviously, is another uh, mixing glass. You'd use probably a um, pint glass with that, right? So then um, after you shake your drink, you know, that'll go down past those holes there. And then when you're done, you just tilt it and you can pour it out, you know? So rather than uh, taking the top off so you have a strainer or whatever, you just you just tilt it. Well, you gotta you can go to his website and check it out if you're interested. Oh, definitely. It. And there's lots of um, demos. This is clever. Yeah, it's a really clever product. His website is quickstrain.com, and he's got some videos on there. You can see it. It's just so nice to meet yeah, young guys that are so entrepreneurial and uh, out there doing this. You know, yeah, man. It's a commitment to go to one of these trade shows and then hire a bunch of pretty girls to help you demo it and all this stuff and yeah. stay there for a week. You know, so it's uh. It, I, I, I really admired that dude. He was really cool. That's cool. All right. So uh, did you get to meet Mr. Taffer? I didn't get to talk to him. I mean, he was I was three feet away from him three or four times. And yeah. uh, 
but uh, there was always lots of people trying to talk to him. And then the last the last night at the nightclub party, actually, I was trying to get near him at one of the clubs, and this club was like crazy busy. And all these security dudes around him. And I was like, I couldn't even get close to him, not because he didn't want to talk to me, but there was a crazy amount of security around him. I mean, I I, I don't know why he needed so much security that night. He was the rest of the show, he was just walking around by himself, more or less, you know. But anyway, I tweeted that one picture. That was the the, um, bar rescue happy hour. And I tweeted that picture that um, they were taking pictures there. But I I met. um, that same night, I met uh, Chef Duffy. Oh yeah, and, and talked to him for a little bit, and he was really cool. Wow, really, he's he's a super nice guy, and uh, he gave me his card. It's right here, and uh, said I should send him a link to the podcast, which I have to do. I didn't get around to yet. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And then there was this other guy, uh, William Fanning. He goes by uh, he goes by Billy, and um, he gave that class that I spoke about in previous podcasts how to uh, about speed bartending. All right, and uh, he was cool. And he he actually I left him my card, and he listened to the podcast, and uh, he really dug it. He said, uh, "Great chemistry, great content, um, good luck, and maybe we'll be able to do something together someday." So uh, that's really cool. The but, speed, um, not to cut you off, the speed bartending. So, like, what what did you, what are the takeaways from that? Well, he said, well, first of all, honestly, most of these seminars were geared more towards bar owners than bartenders. You know, wow. And um, so it was talking about physical speed is great, but. Setting up the bar to the point where you don't have to go far to to get what you need. They called it the two step rule. Hmm. There's been a podcast that's talk about this. What do I call it? Oh, I call it the pivot. <laughs> I call, I talk about one step. You know, try to do everything in one step uh, and keep one foot planted if you can. I, I honestly, it's not always realistic because if you're going to get a draft beer or you have to, your POS system might be not that close. But um, yeah, I talked about that all the time. That's how that's how you're fast. So it's 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 a lot about how you set up that bar. And a lot of this goes into the design of the bar itself, but it's also as you're setting up uh, your bar. There's a French term called mise en place that chefs use that, and it applies to to you too. It's how you set up all the stuff that you need, your fruit, your juices, all that stuff ahead of time, so you have enough, and it's where you can easily get to it. This guy who ran the um, that seminar is talking about called it the bartender pod. So your pod should be about this big, you know, however big it is. And nobody else should come into your pod and you shouldn't have to go into anybody else's pod to get your stuff. And I think we've talked about that in the past yep. too. But I thought that was a cool phrase, the bartender pod. Oh, he talked about labeling things. So label where everything goes. It makes it easier to do stock when you have to restock stuff. But also if you have bottles full of fresh fruit puree, puree and things like that, um, everything should be labeled. You know, where we work, we got those those bottles, and you don't know which one's orange juice. You don't know which one is pineapple juice. That slows you down, right? Yep. These are the things that make you fast. It's not so much how do you move your arms quickly. You know what I'm saying? It's the, it's the setup when we talked about it. You got to have all, you know, someone has to, you know, the glasses, ice, fruit juices, all that, the backups. You need to get that nipped in the bud right in the beginning, man. And we talked about that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this guy, William Fanning, Smart guy, knows his business, and he has a very useful website. It's called theshiftdrink.com. I'll say it again, theshiftdrink.com. So check that out. It's a great resource. Now, it's interesting to see what's going on now. It's interesting. The, the mixology thing is not always just about using some kind of crazy ingredient. I, I mentioned in the very first podcast, I'm like, we're not into making drinks with crushed bee wings and stuff like that. But it's it's more about uh, using fresh ingredients, which I think I think that's a good trend. You know, you're talking about rather than stuff that comes out of cans and soda guns, 
you can make make stuff ahead of time that that's interest. So whatever it is, use your imagination. Like fresh fruit purees, for example, that's a, that's a great thing to make drinks with, rather than some syrupy stuff that comes out of a can or or uh, our old uh, maraschino cherry juice that's been sitting there for how how long. <laughs> and then you know making syrups with uh, simple syrup, of course, but then when you add a flavor to that, so that's that's the other thing that makes you fast: combining ingredients ahead of time. So if you have a fancy cocktail that has five, six, seven ingredients in it. What can we do ahead of time to make that so it's now it's only three ingredients? Yep. So it's it's a uh, for instance, like I was just saying, a simple syrup that has a flavoring to it, whatever flavor, lemon or any whatever flavor, bitters in it already. So that, and you know, so instead of three things you're pouring in there, you're only pouring in one from a squeeze bottle. So so it becomes a three ingredient drink, and that that's the things that'll speed you up also. So of course, John Taffer gave a big speech that was very inspiring too. He I, I wrote down a couple of things, uh, a couple of talking points. And things he said. One was, the common denominator of failure is excuses. So yeah, you can make an excuse. Oh, it wasn't my fault that uh, I was I was late, or I it wasn't my fault that uh, people had to wait a long time for their drinks tonight, or whatever. But it's very easy to own successes. It's harder to own failures. So hey, if you screwed up, admit it. Let's move on. See what we could do to make it better. You know, in the future. You talked about the engagement of the bartender is key to guest enjoyment. Like I was saying before, the bartender should be the hero. The bartender is the center of attention. The bartender needs to carry the whole place, really, if you think about it. Don't you think? We said that. The head chemist of the party. Yeah. I mean, no, it's just amazing just hearing this stuff. You know, it's like... A lot of the stuff we've talked about It just feels good that these, you know, you're going to Vegas and it's we've been talking about this. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. We're, a lot of the stuff we talked about was, was brought up by Taffer and other experts. Uh, so that was sort of a uh, validation, I guess you would say. But confident, he talked about being competent and confident, which I remember your thing: be com- be uh, confident but not cocky. And yep. I was like, wow, that's that's exactly it. And he's, he he kind of said the same thing. He talked about uh, bartenders need to know the law and about cleanliness, and that that is important. And but that goes to training, man. I mean. Yeah, you can be a bartender and know all know all your stuff and know all this stuff that we're talking about, but really it's the owners, the managers need to inform you of of uh of what the laws are, what the procedures are based on that on that business. And so many times you just don't see that. It's such a shame. Yeah. But you need to have pride, passion and personality. I think that's that that's that's a good place to leave it. Pride, passion and personality. The three uh what is it? Three P's? The three P's. Nice. All right. Well, uh, I had a great time in Vegas. We'll continue talking about it. I have a lot of interviews that I recorded on the floor, and uh, we'll put those in a future podcast. And um, I met, like I said, I met so many interesting people and talked to them. So thanks for listening, as always. We got a cool interview lined up for you with a guy who tweeted us. He's an ex-Marine, and he is now a bartender. And uh, we had a great talk with him. We're going to put that into, uh, we'll probably post that next week, I guess. And uh, thanks for listening. Vince here. You can always reach me uh, on Twitter at Barkeep Tips. <laughs> I just want to thank uh, Vince uh, doing a podcast on two hours sleep. It's uh, Oh, man. I'm still trying to recover. This guy fucking partied in Vegas. <laughs> can I you got to see him. He's fucking all over. Can I tell you how miserable I was on the airplane coming home? Five and a half hours. Actually, it was longer than that. It was, it was um, I had to go to Phoenix first. I had a two-hour layover. And then a five and a half hour flight. I was 
I was so miserable. He's moving like Stevie Wonder doing the podcast. He's like, and the fruit puree and fucking, and it's the three P's pride. You, you try drinking like that for three days, see if you can talk. No, I thank you, man. That's a trooper, folks. He, I'm watching him do this shit. He's a fucking soldier, hey, you man. know I fix it all in editing anyway. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> and I can thank you, Vano, for having very little to say during this episode and hanging me out to dry. It's all good, man. All right, so barkeep tips on Twitter or Vince.bartender at gmail.com. And you can reach me at uh, bartender. 2222 at gmail.com and hit me up at Twitter at Vance Fano. Oh, so I just wanted to mention while I was out in Vegas, uh, we got a really cool tweet from Channing and he uh, he says, Vano and Barkeeps, I wanted to let you know that I just got my first bar gig. I've been listening to the podcast and it, and it helped. Thanks. Thank you, brother. Thank you, Channing. All the best and uh, we'd love to hear from you guys some more. And keep tweeting us and or email and maybe we'll interview you someday. Alright. Thanks. Bye bye. Peace.